It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show. Today is all about you. We don't have any big agenda going into today, just just whatever you want to talk about. Brian, you wouldn't believe how many soil samples we're getting in leading up to the Neil Kinsey workshop that's coming up later this month. Getting a lot of interest about that. Unfortunately, the in-person sign-up is full now for Neil's meeting, but he is making it available online. So check that out at agphd.com if you'd like to watch it from home. So I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. It is a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, our phone lines will be open all throughout the day. 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag right now. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. Okay, Brian, these are two-sided printouts here. So we got three different soil tests and let's see from two different farms. So this is from Dave and he said we're raising some pretty nice corn, 230 bushel average. 80% of this ground's irrigated, but we just can't even break 60 on our soybeans. Just wondering what we've got going on here and what you would do to try and get those soybean yields up. Hmm. Okay, so first of all, usually when we see high corn yields and low soybean yields, it's lack of potassium. In this case, he only has a few spots where his potassium is real low, where his his K is down near that uh, 3%, 2% kind of range. A lot of his stuff is better than that. So I've never looked at this style of soil test report before. So it takes a little bit of time just just to kind of get familiar with everything. So I guess, you know, for for everyone listening today, we we love to see your soil test. You don't have to go to the same lab that we do. We run, run our stuff from our farm primarily here to Midwest Labs. You don't have to go there. It does help. It makes it quicker and easier for us to say, oh, okay, I know kind of how they're test read and and how fertility adjustments on our farm have responded anyway according to those numbers but but we'll we'll try and make the best guess we can one of the things that you hear too with with neil kinsey's seminar i know quite a few folks are signing up for that neil will often say well i know exactly how a fertility addition would help based on test results for my tests but other labs do things slightly different so anyway you get you got a handle on it now brian you kind of figured out where everything's at yeah, um, it's lighter soil, so that is one of the things. I don't know, you know, if we're if we're timing it right on the irrigation. So he said it was roughly eighty percent irrigated. I think was your number. I, I a lot of times with beans, we kind of need to stress them a little bit early on, and then pump plenty of water to them once you get to mid July and later. So that that could be one of the things that has something to do with it. But I don't see any things that. I mean, a lot of things here that stand out to me saying, oh boy, it's terrible. But when we have those really low soil... This is southern southern Wisconsin, by the way. Sure. When we have those really low cation exchange capacity numbers, sometimes we can get misled with the potassium. And so I'm still going to come back to that potassium thing. Just let let me give you an example quick here. So... And there's one sample where he's got 7.2% base saturation K. And you would go, oh, 7.2 is great. 
Well, for most of us it is. But when you have soil that's that light in that spot, it's 3.4 cation exchange capacity. That's it. That's pure sand. And he only has 96 pounds there. So where I'm going with this is it could have a little something to do with the watering. My first belief is you're not getting enough K available late in the season. So in soil that light and with irrigation, I'm going to put some in-season K on or I'm going to have to way overdo it early in the year. One thing or the other, but I'd at least be trying a bunch of extra K. Now, you can also, I, I can see in these soil tests, his levels are a little low on a few other things like copper and boron, zinc. Uh, so the micronutrients could certainly help as well. And there are definitely some spots where he needs more phosphorus. So I, I'm still going to say it's a lot of fertility, but it could be that watering thing that I was mentioning. Oh, and I'll, I'll throw one other thing out at you. When you have light soil, you're going to water quite a bit. Okay, so you've got natural rainfall, plus you've got the water you're throwing on. Well, you think about it, that means that more than likely you're going to have more humidity. When you have more humidity in there, more moisture in that crop canopy, that usually means more diseases. So you might need more fungicide than the average person. And we've seen some really big gains with fungicide in certain cases with soybeans, not in all cases, but definitely when it's wet and humid. Yeah, the other thing I was thinking too, Brian, just southern Wisconsin, I think about how much white mold is there. And, you know, especially when you're on irrigated, a lot of times we'll say, well, if we're, if we're not having one of those years where we have lots of rainfall, cloudy days, whatever, we probably won't have a big issue. But you know you're going to have rainfall when you're looking at at irrigated ground. So yeah, and especially in low manganese soils, which his are. So, yeah, a few things to think about there. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate that, Dave. Uh, okay, this one comes from Darwin, and he said, I got some, or I got a couple of soil tests here for you guys to look at. Just wondering if, if you had these samples, what you would do if it was your farm. <clears throat> okay, this is much heavier soil, 18 to 20 cation exchange capacity. First thing we always look at is pH. He's at a 5.8. So if I'm raising corn and soybeans, I'm going to put just a little bit of lime out there, not much. I want to get it into at least the low sixes, then I'd feel pretty good. Um, after that, his phosphorus levels aren't bad, 30, 40 parts per million. Still need a little more phosphorus. His potassium's pretty good, 6 to 8% base saturation K, 400, 500 parts per million on K. So pretty good there. Um, so, you know, when I, when we see stuff like that, where we go, okay, K is pretty good. Phosphorus, not too bad. Just need a little bit of lime. You got to feel pretty good beyond that. When I start seeing, Hey, my nitrate levels are, are relatively high. I'm, I'm immediately thinking, what did I do last year? Did I overapply my nitrogen last year? Did, do I have a drainage issue? Something like that. But he's got a fair amount of nitrogen left out there. Other than that, we're talking, uh, you know, a little bit low on sulfur, zinc, boron, copper, stuff like that. So once again, <laughs> a little bit more on the micros side and uh, it shouldn't have to do any K, at least for just uh, just one year. All right, well, stay tuned. We're going to get to your phone calls right after this. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans, Elite Genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. 
When it comes to effective herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. They've been bringing growers trusted brands like Burnmaster, Scorch, and Spitfire for decades, made right here in the USA. What's your favorite New Farm brand? Email it to turnuptheburn at newfarm.com and you'll be entered to win a monthly $1,000 product giveaway. In these unprecedented times, you're facing unprecedented pressure. New Farm's here to help. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky Herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. Farmer Friday here on Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Martin Studio, taking your calls and questions all throughout the show. Our phone lines are open at 844-442-4743. That's 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Jim in Tennessee. Jim, how are you doing? Oh, pretty good. How are y'all doing? No, not too bad. It's uh, below zero up here, though, Jim, and that's not real pleasant to be out and about. Are you, are you able to get outside and get some stuff done today? Well, actually, I wish it was a little colder here. We're trying to put on our first shot of nitrogen on the wheat and barley crop, and it's still just, it's 28, but it's still slimy on top, and we're trying not to make too big a mess on the first pass. So we're sitting here, matter of fact, I'm sitting in the field, just stepped out of the truck a second ago and said, yeah, we still got a couple more hours before we'll be able to run. Well, last I looked here, is five below. So I think if you drove over wheat and barley here, they'd just go crunch. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you want it quite that cold, but maybe five degrees colder might be might be a benefit. How, how do they look? Do you have pretty good stands? So far, the wheat looked really good all the way up until uh, after Christmas, and we got a dry spell. And, you know, we started thinking, I said, uh-oh, this sound kind of acts like 2012 again. And then all of a sudden we've gotten several rains, and now we're back to being muddy. So okay. we're in pretty good shape. If we can get the nitrogen on in the next week or so, the first shot will be in good shape. we got some spotty spots, but in general we've got a good crop. Did you have weed control out there in the fall, or do you normally do that in the spring? Depends on the field. Uh, and uh, depends on what our agronomists are telling us. About a half mine had uh, Anthem Flex put on, and the other half we didn't need to. We do a burn down. Uh, but right now we're still fairly clean. So we'll come back uh, after the second shot and clean up if we have to. All right. Tell me about corn and soybeans. Is this a year you're going to plant more of one or the other? <sighs> Well, I'm actually sitting in a field right now with my pivot, and I'm trying to decide if I'm going to go to um, full-season soybeans or uh, continuous corn again. 
Right now, we're close to the number that uh, if I can bump my yields on my soybeans to up about 70, I'm probably better off with soybeans. And so I'm trying to make that decision. We can go either way. I have not made the decision. I'm probably still leaning on uh, raising corn down here. Uh, I got several other issues. One is I do not have uh, a good soybean yield down here, and so I don't have much coverage for my crop insurance, so that's in the back of my mind trying to make a decision. But one of the things that I'm doing this year that I'm going to try is I bought all new plates for my planter, and I'm going to try to singulate the beans better. John Deere just came out with, I think it's a 96-hole bean plate, and I'm going to try that, and maybe we can get better singulation and maybe cut our rate back a little bit. Uh, What do you all think? Well, we're gonna you're gonna get a differing opinion here. I think that's awesome, Jim. I'm all about that. No, I think that's a no, great. No, you're way not to go. gonna get a differing opinion. We both think that's not a bad thing. My contention is I don't know if it's worth the money because we don't we don't we haven't seen a lot of yield gain yet. We're gonna run more trials on it this year, though. Well, my goal is my I'm doing all variable rate everything MPK lime, and I'm also variable rating my. Uh, corn, and so my agronomist and I have been talking about it for several years to try uh, variable rate on soybeans also, and so uh, I felt like with these these plates, it was basically a $2,000 investment, and we decided that it can't hurt, and if anything, we might get a better singulation. We won't uh, really reduce our population this year, maybe in some spots. Actually, we'll probably increase in some places, you know, on the hard red hills and whatever. We're all double crop. Uh, at least all mine will be behind uh, wheat so or wheat and uh, barley. And so that's kind of what we're thinking is in the hard, the hard spots and the hills, we might increase our population a little better. And then in the low spots, maybe cut it back. We're probably still going to use the same amount of beans, but just put them where they needed. Yep, yep. I think that's a good idea. It's it's kind of fun the things that we can do nowadays with with the technology that we've got. I know. Uh, I think back to uh, both our our grandpas were farmers, and man, they would love to be able to do so to have been able to do some of the things that we can do now. Hey, Jim, thank you so much. Really appreciate hearing from you today. Uh, hopefully, you don't make too much of a mess out in the wheat and barley. Good luck with your crop. Y'all have a good one. Thank you. You bet. Head out to Georgia. Got our friend Caleb on with us right now. Caleb, how are you doing? Hey guys, how are y'all doing today? Well, pretty good. You know, I've been thinking about about younger farmers. Now, obviously, I think about my own farm a lot, but I've just been thinking about how with prices going up, and I'm I'm hearing in some areas people are asking for more money, cash rent, and I thought, oh man, the young guys are are going to have a tough time this year. How's that going in your area? You got cash rents all locked up, or is there still some to negotiate? Fortunately, all of our acres have been decided on for this year and all the lease agreements have gotten signed and returned. And so hopefully now that we've been able to lock in some commodity prices for this year and even a few of our input prices, it's, it should be one of our best years so far. Of course, we don't. We came in when times are hard, so we're due a good year, we feel. Yeah. Yeah, you sure are. And, and that's the way farming is, you know, you get one of these opportunities and you got to make hay well you sure can. And, uh, so what are you going to plant this year? You got a lot of options down there and I know last year was, was pretty dry and going into this year, have you got some moisture out there so you can pretty much plant anything you want? Uh, 
Well, I'll say moisture is one of our uh, problems right now. We've been getting rain every day for about the last 10 days and for the next week or so. Wow. So we're kind of waiting for fields to dry out so we can keep up our management with our oats. But this year we're going to have our normal rotation basically with corn, peanuts, and cotton. Okay. Now, talk to me about the cover crops. I know it's been a big thing to try and keep soils in place and so forth. That's got to be a huge benefit when you have a stretch like you've had with this rain. Absolutely. I mean, we can see the neighbors across the road. If there's any slope to the fields that don't don't have any uh, growing root systems holding the dirt together, the dirt just washes downhill. I can remember on our fields, we'd have to spend days and days just putting the dirt back where it belongs before we can start planting. So now with the cover crops, we've cut that down to where we can usually terminate the cover crop and go right in planting. All right. Now, last month you had sent me some pictures where you're out soil sampling and it was 70 degrees and we were complaining about the weather. It's five below today here, Caleb. So what what are you able to do outside right now? Well, uh, we can uh, look at the mud in our fields, but then we can also, since the weather here, of course, it's 70 degrees again today. So we can uh, get up underneath the shelter or inside the uh, barn and keep working on our equipment, get everything tuned up and ready to go. So when it does dry out, we'll be able to get right going. All right. So I know I know you've been to Neil Kinsey's stuff before. Are you planning on attending this year? I am. I was just looking at the forecast for your area, and I'm glad that you'll have some warmer weather for us <laughs> than the folks down south. <laughs> well, it doesn't but, get a yeah, whole lot colder than this. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be <laughs> fun. You know, Neil Neil's got such experience in in so many different crops. That's one of the things that's kind of fun is is just talking about some things. Well, like like just take a couple of crops you raise. I mean, we don't raise peanuts or cotton here, but uh, you get a lot of specific questions about timing and and various nutrients. So it's it's pretty valuable. Yeah, yeah, we certainly enjoyed uh, being there last year and learned a lot, and I'm still looking at my notes there every day, so I hope we can pick up a few more things that will help us this year as well. Outstanding. Well, Caleb, it's nice talking to you. Uh, hopefully it will quit raining down there some point, but, but not quit for the whole year because I know you're going to need it. It gets warm there. That's right. You bet. Thanks, Caleb. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate the call. Talk to you guys later. You bet. Yeah, it's fun just just thinking about the the different options in different places around the world here. And yeah, 70 degrees would feel pretty nice compared to today. All right, Brian, uh, I know Caleb's not too terribly far away from Florida. I had a comment from Lily who said, I'm in central Florida. I don't have soil. All I have is sandy sand and sandy property. I'm trying so hard to make some soil in order to have some garden beds. Yeah, it's a challenge when it's just sand. There's no doubt about it. You've got to be really fussy feeding nutrients to that uh, just regularly to keep things growing. Hey, Lily, thanks for the feedback. We appreciate that. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. 
Com. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday here in the Morton studio. We're talking to farmers from around the country. We'd love to hear from you. Phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to Wisconsin. Got Troy with us right now. Troy, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Darren? Not too bad. All right. We just had a, a set of soil tests that came in from, not from you, but somebody else in Wisconsin. And one of the things that I brought up was, man, I'm concerned they got irrigated ground. And I just think about white mold and I think about tar spot now in Wisconsin. It's not easy raising crops where you're at. No, not anymore. <laughs> and it, not, it, not that it was easy beforehand either, but uh, Mother Nature has another set of challenges that she uh, likes to exercise towards us. Have you had the tar spot right around where you're at? Yes. Uh, 2018 was probably the worst. Um, that was, it was very severe that year. We had a lot of days that were, you know, warm and foggy and you'd wake up in the morning and you, you know, it was just like you had to almost chew the air before you could breathe it. And it was nasty. And tar spot was very, very hard on us that year. 
So what do you see from the seed providers in your geography? Are they getting pretty good at giving you information about tar spot tolerance of hybrids? Yes and no. Um, it It's just like any other disease because, you know, the conditions have to be just such, you know, to really have an issue with it. So, you know, it can show up in certain areas and certain geographies, you know, maybe in certain counties or valleys or whatever. And depending on the hybrid, it may or may not affect it too much based on timing. And just like in 18, it was just the, the conditions were just such at the right time that it hit really hard just after pollination. Okay. And really, I mean, there was, there was a field just literally a mile south of where I'm located that they started picking on the 31st of August and it was, the corn was only a hundred bushel and it was starting to go down. Okay, one other question along the lines of the tar spot then. A, a number of the breeders that I've talked to have said there seems to almost be a correlation with gray leaf spot. If they have bad gray leaf spot, if tar spot comes in, it just takes out fields. Have you noticed any correlation? Do you, do you necessarily have to see a lot of gray leaf spot when you've got tar spot? Me personally, I, I guess I haven't seen a lot of correlation between that and any other disease, but then again, I... You know, I'm not as educated as some on how the diseases correlate with each other and haven't spent enough time scouting to actually put that together. So are, I, I don't know. Are fungicide apps then getting to be more popular just because you know you've got the threat of having some tar spot? Yes and no. I would say that the brown silk application is, you know, probably the the most, the one that guys would lean to most. Um but, you know, as far as going out there with just, you know, a generic or, a, you know, a, a strobe of some kind like headline, there's, you know, the guys that are doing it want to spend the money on the crop now. You know, they're, they're going out with a, a more expensive option like Triva Pro or something like that to try and get, you know, a better level of protection rather than just doing it for an extra five or ten bushel. Sure, sure. So, yeah, lots to think about, no doubt. Okay, tell me about the white mold tray. I'm sure that you guys probably have it figured out in Wisconsin. We're still struggling with it here over in South Dakota. We don't have all the answers, but have you found some things that work or a strategy that works for you? Um, well, there's a lot of 30-inch beans that are planted here. Um, I think the ones that are planted early seem to have more of a, a problem with white mold. And that, that is very variety dependent. I mean, we know that there's, there's certain varieties that don't handle white mold at all. Right. And some that handle it quite well. So I, I'm not personally a fan of 30 inch beans, but I think that's one, one method to combat white mold. Yeah. Certainly a lot of different, you're, you're right though. I mean, you named three things off just like that. And I think. I agree. It's it's just a multi-prong approach when you've got a tough disease like that. Uh, sorry to stump you with all these tough questions, Troy, and, and all, all these tough situations on your farm, but really appreciate you being a good sport about that, too. Hey, thanks, Troy. really appreciate it. Yep, not a problem. Let's head down to Texas. Get Reggie on with us right now. Reggie, how you doing? Oh, doing great. It's almost like South Dakota down here today with our cold temperatures. Of course, we're not 
we're not zero or below. So we're, <laughs> we're, uh, I was going to say, cool it can't be that cold. <laughs> but, but yeah, no <laughs> doubt there's a cold snap going on. But, uh, you know, when you think about uh, the challenges that you got down there, what, what, do you, what are the big ones you're thinking about this year that you're planning on managing for? Well, we were very fortunate with the open kind of fall that we had. So I say that, say, on our corn ground, we got everything stripped. And, and with this cool, anyway, I think we'll be in good shape. We planned on started, starting planting on the 26th of February, and with this cold weather, that'll back us up. Our wheat, we were able to get timely planted, and that wheat crop right now is just, just prior to jointing. And then our grass, hay meadows, uh, uh, we used a new product from Bayer for a ryegrass control in the fall and, and called Resolon, and that, that uh, we're, we're clean and uh, looking good for our hay meadows to get started here. So we're right now we're off to a great start. We're just uh, waiting to get started now. We did some upgrades on our planter, put some the uh, some of the precision parts on it with the uh, Delta Force and and uh, get some flow sense on to improve our consistency across the planters. Uh, so we're 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 excited about a, a 2021 crop. Yeah, it is fun when you get some of those new additions on the planter. I know for us that was uh, a really exciting thing here over the last couple of years just to see what kind of difference it makes because it's it's not cheap. They don't give those things away. <laughs> no, they don't. Uh, but I think for us, you know, we're in the blacklands of Texas, and so our soils are heavy clay soil. But I think with our, our planting conditions, it's either that – you know, we get sidewall compaction. So with these new additions, I think uh, I think we'll be off to, to a better start. We're going to try and some of our test plots, some of the new. It's corn on corn. We're going to try some of the FMC product. I believe they call it Zyway. It's a combination. Yeah. Uh, we're looking forward to that. And then as we get out, uh, uh, and because we're all dry land in this geography, as we get closer to the end of the crop, uh, we're going to try something new in our fungicide. Maybe our tissue test last year said we were deficient in zinc, so we're going in. We went in with our strip. We applied some zinc. We're going to put some in our, our uh, pop-up, and then at our last fungicide application, try some zinc in that a little bit to see if we can finish the crop, mitigate some of the stress. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I really like a year like this. I mean, obviously, I like a year where – prices are pretty good and it looks like we can make some money but mm-hmm. i like to take advantage right. of this with trying some new things that's fun to hear hey we tried something new in this crop we're trying something new on the planter we're trying something new uh, to try and get some more zinc out for our crop just just hitting a few things so how do you collect data is it yield monitor data do you do some weighing yeah. or how do you do it good we're and that's another thing we updated to the gen 3 monitor and so we collect that's our collection point and then we overlap that with our soil test data. We're not grid sampling, but uh, so that way we're comparing and we utilize the Ag PhD extraction app so as we can measure, you know, what we should be going back on with, with fertilizer based on crop removal. That's awesome. So that's, a very, 
that's a helpful app and appreciate that. Oh, you bet. You bet. Yeah. It's, it's fun to have some different tools out there and I know they just keep getting better too, to make it easier to work with. But, but yeah, I, I know for us, we get all excited about trying new products, but then we're all fired <laughs> up about getting harvest done too. And it's hold on, <laughs> slow down. We got a trial here. We want to make sure we look at those. So we're trying to get organized very well in the spring, like we normally would, but but uh, try and stick with it all through the year too. Well, hey Reggie, great right, talking to you. You got a lot of stuff going on Thank there. We'd love much. to he- love to hear from you throughout the season how that stuff looks. All right, we'll do that. Thank right. you very much. Enjoy the call. You bet. Thanks. It's Farmer Friday here on Ag PhD Radio, and look forward to talking to you today. Our phone lines are open at eight four four forty four Ag PhD, and you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Yeah, I got a number of questions I want to get to here that Austin sent in coming up shortly, uh, and we'd love to have yours as well. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, installation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at Pentair.com slash Hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed to soil contact. Order yours at FarmShopMFG.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent-pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger 
Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with high striker treated nitrogen. Listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday here from the Morton Studio. We're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Travis online with us in our home state of South Dakota. Travis, thanks for calling in. Hey, thank you. So, what's happening up on your farm? Uh, I would assume things are quite cold up there too. They were. They're 25 below this morning, so <laughs> not a lot going on. Just making sure uh, doors still open and uh, you know. Oh, we're not frozen, or you know, things are not frozen together, and the dogs can get outside and run around. So, yep. Do you have any livestock, Travis? You know, we don't this year. Uh, 2019 and 2020 were extremely wet, uh, so uh, we usually graze cattle in the fall and uh, put fences around everything. And we haven't been able to do that the last two years, so no cattle, so no having to check water tanks or blow out feed bunks or. Yeah, any of that sort of fun stuff. Uh, I'd take twenties winter over nineteen any day. Yeah, yeah, no kidding about that. Okay, well, you brought up a good subject here: prevent plant. Obviously, the Dakotas got hit pretty hard the last couple of years. Are you able to farm everything again this year? Uh, it's looking like we're going to. You know, uh, we're about a mile away from Putney Slough and about a couple miles away from Jim River, uh, so. If they feel if if there's big rains that come up from up north that come down, it will raise our water table up, and we're in a better position than we were in 19 and 20. But uh, you just never know. We're, we're you know if everything goes our way and stays normal, we're probably you know 90 to 95 percent planted, and uh, you will come back in and and, and plant as much uh, later on just to you know get our um, every, our planted acres up and, and all that for crop insurance and and do that and so far so good i mean everything looks you know like it should but all our ground uh, is basically black from last year we've planted some cover crops to keep the dirt from blowing but it was everybody has a different philosophy and ours this year was keep the weeds from being as tall as the as, uh, the house and, and doing all that <laughs> so we just work for black and and it's you know what we're gonna we'll just plant right into it so it's yeah i don't know everybody has a different philosophy on it we probably should have planted a few more cover crops to to keep the erosion down but no matter what you did you know 40 50 60 mile hour winds doesn't really uh stop you know stop it doesn't really stop for anything yeah, it's hard to know what to do sometimes, especially when this is, is a little bit of an unusual situation to have that much rain. We just haven't really seen that very often. Okay, talk to us about what, what the crop mix is then. You got some ground that, that hasn't been in, in the rotation for a while, but you also have ground you have been farming consistently here. Are, are you mixing things up a little different with your crop mix? Um, Not really. We'll be uh, close to 50-50 uh, corn and soybeans. Uh, like we normally are, it's, uh, by the time we, we try to play in the crop rotation and market prices and, and, you know, trying to do either corn on corn or beans on beans, it seems like a good idea. And we probably could do, you know, if you could do it better, if we, you know, did it more consistently, but it's just one of those things where 
we like to stay 50-50, just, you know, weed control is easier, crop rotation is better, uh, keeping insects down. It's just easier that way, and so far nobody up in uh, our neck of the woods has found a small grain market that uh, is that works for us and our closest to anything other than wheat is a hundred miles away. And that just, it just kills us on trucking. So that's an all plants need to start uh, taking up uh, Milo or sorghum up here. And, and that would uh, change a lot for us. We, we look, we've looked into it. And I'd love to be able to do that, but the market's so far away that the trucking just kills you. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. People think that we as farmers can just rotate to whatever we want to, which I mean, legally you can, but wow, when the market's a long ways away like that, yeah, I'd love to do that, but I just can't physically get all the work done and do all that trucking. And, and, you know, you think about corn too, you say, well, gosh, corn price is pretty good, but we don't have enough bin space to handle all that many bushels. So it's kind of nice to have a, a different crop like soybeans in there too. Yeah. Lots of things to consider. Travis, I'm just happy that you guys can get into just about all this ground again. That, that's quite a relief. Yeah. It's, it's been a challenge the last two years. We go from record rainfall in 19 to pretty much no rainfall after July 15th this last year. And it was a real welcome, but it, it also dings a lot of the crops up here, but it's, you take what God gives you and you keep moving forward and, you know, just be happy and learn a lot. And we do that. We learn, we learn something from every, every situation, even if it's not, not something you expect you're going to learn. Uh, you definitely come out the other side uh, more knowledgeable on what not to do or what to do, I guess. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. Well, Travis, thank you so much. Great talking to you today. Good luck here heading into the spring. Yep. Thank you. And hopefully it's not 25 below for him too, too long up there. That's, that's awfully cold. All right, got this from Austin over in Wisconsin. He said he's farming with his grandpa and his uncle in Wisconsin, raising corn, soybeans, peas, and sweet corn. So I got three questions for you guys today. The first one, you guys talk a lot about Bray P1 test. In Wisconsin, at least on the test that we see, we see a lot of Bray P2 tests. What's the difference? And why do they run a different test here than what you're running? Well, we have both the P1 and the P2 run. What the P1 says, or the weak bray, is what's available for phosphorus today. The P2, or strong bray, tells you what's available today, plus what they believe will come available during the course of the next growing season. So the P2 is probably a little bit more accurate for what you're going to have throughout the course of the year, but P1 at least tells you what's available right now. Okay, second question. Uh, Austin says, I'm experimenting pushing some yields for, for higher full farm averages. What are your thoughts to increasing starch levels in my corn, basically preventing my corn from denting. What key macro, micro uh, nutrients and also plant hormones do you focus on to achieve it? Just some background, our pH is around 6-7. We get about 40 parts per million of phosphorus we're starting with. Not enough. And 160 parts per million of K, Not which even is close a 3.8% base saturation. Yep. And our calcium base saturation is at 70. Yeah, and that's fine. So it, it's literally everything. So when you want corn that isn't going to dent, what you really want is just corn that yields more. And eventually each kernel is going to fill out 
more when you're achieving that higher yield. So how you're going to do that is everything from, we talk all the time about drainage. We talk about get the pH right, which it sounds like, at least what you told us, that's fine. But I would encourage you maybe consider doing smaller grids or smaller zone soil tests to find out, well, are all your acres that way? Are they all 6-7? If they are, that's fantastic. If they aren't, you need some adjustment in spots. Um, then it gets to all the nutrients, the N, the P, the K, sulfur, and boron are big ones because they're leachable. So literally every year you've got to put on sulfur and boron for every single crop. And on top of that, then you've got to look at some ratios of phosphorus to zinc, phosphorus to copper. Um, how, how are you doing on manganese levels and iron levels? I, I mean, there are, there are a lot of things to that. And then we start talking weeds, insects, diseases, variety selection, all that stuff. So literally everything that I just mentioned, all is going to play into what you're looking for. And we talk about those things here on the show just about every day. If you've got more specific questions for us, if if you need more help with anything, just let us know. All right. Thanks for that. Uh, oh, and one, one last question you had. Uh, you said, if we're spreading 200 pounds of dry AMS each year in the spring, uh, we're on a three-year rotation with our crops, but he said, if we're putting this much sulfur out there through AMS, do we really need to worry about changing soil pH on there? No. Okay. No, I, I'm not that worried about changing the soil pH, but it's something you want to continue to monitor as time goes on. And it's not the sulfur that's going to change the pH with the AMS. It's the ammonium when that breaks down and converts over to nitrate because you're releasing that hydrogen out there. So ideally what you would want with the ammonium sulfate is hopefully it's getting used by the crop before it's breaking down and converting to nitrate. But in that process of conversion to nitrate, the hydrogen is released, your soil pH goes down. If you way overdo it with that scenario, let's say you're putting on 2,000 pounds instead of 200, absolutely you're going to see some decrease. So just continue to monitor it, but I think you're going to be fine. Stay tuned, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's about time. Time for unprecedented season-long foliar disease protection. Formulated for a convenient at-plant application, new first-of-their-kind Inferro Zyway brand fungicides deliver complete inside-out protection from day one. From root to tassel, stalk to leaf. From planting through harvest. The active ingredient, Flutriophol, moves from the soil through your plants as your corn grows. Change the way you approach foliar disease protection from the start with first-of-their-kind Inferro Zyway 3D and Zyway LFR fungicides, available only from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides qualify for the exclusive agronomic and economic incentives of the FMC Freedom Pass program. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. 
Mycoapply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about Mycoapply Indoprime SC at indoprimecorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of Burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your Burndown. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's go out to Oregon. We've got Josh with us right now. Josh, thanks for calling in. Thanks, fellas. Um, I appreciate your guys' time. Uh, this is my first time calling in. I haven't been, um, I've only been listening to your show for just a little while. I sent you an email. Um, yeah, with, I saw uh, that. We got, we got some, some soil my- tests here and... Uh, Brand's Brand's taking a look through some of those soil tests right now. I I know on one of your fields you noticed, or you said you've got multiple soil types, anything from a clay to a white-looking soil on top of the hill. And I I just thought, man, we've got a lot of that kind of stuff too, where we've got just tons of different soil types and textures out in a field. It makes it interesting to manage for sure. Yeah, but here's my question. So it, it was this field one are do I have multiple tests for that field one? Is there something different where you say it's clay versus where it's white? So when the when we did the test, they did like a, a conglomeration. Yeah, so composite. Multiple. Yeah, composite, and then they put them all together. So it made it really difficult for me to tell what's what in there. Um, and after yep. listening to you guys' show, I realized that that's not the way to do it. Exactly. So. Yep, yep, it's not. So if nothing else, if you say, well, boy, I don't want to go out. And, well, first of all, how big is that field, field one? 23 acres. Okay. So if you say, well, boy, I don't want to go out and pull 23 samples and, you know, do one acre grids or anything. What I often tell guys is the same thing is, as tissue tests. At least go pull a soil test from the worst spot and go pull a soil test from the best spot. And then you'll start to okay. see some of the differences. But, yeah, I mean, when, when you want to make variable rate applications of everything from lime to phosphorus to potassium, you can't do that without having multiple soil tests out in the field. So, And it really varies from farmer to farmer. So we use one-acre grids. There are a lot of people in our area that use five-acre grids or zones. I don't have any problem either way, but it just it has to be smaller because if you do a composite test, you're going to be wrong on half the field, 
because basically you're going to over fertilize on half and under fertilize on the other half most likely because all you did was got the average but i mean when i look at it just just looking at the average of stuff i mean it doesn't it really doesn't look terrible your ph is just a hair low at 6.0 but one of the biggest things that stood out to me was your cat exchange capacity is 32 <laughs> so this is pretty heavy ground and then the other big thing I would say that stood out to me is your potassium level is really, really low in terms of the base saturation test. So it's 449 parts per million, though. So this is where we, we come to, number one, I'm not familiar at all with this lab. So I don't know for sure that this lab is running the test the way we would normally want it run. I, I can't. I, I, so I can't give you a, a super solid answer. Um, oh, I'll take that back when I said 1.1. It's 3. Point, I'm looking at two things here. It's got two different things. So there it is, 3.5. Okay, well, 3.5 sounds a lot better because I was going to say 449 parts per million on a 32 should give us somewhere in the at least 3% range. So anyway, so sorry, I'm, I'm kind of stumbling no, through these tests here. Yeah, uh, and, and, and there's a lot of them. There's, I have a lot of information. <laughs> and yep. so that's where I get, I'm new um, so I'm really struggling, um, trying to make sense of everything. Um, and there on field three, we have, um, alfalfa uh, planted over there and I'm on that 31 acres and, um, we're in a non GMO County. So, um, it, I'm struggling. I, I came up with a, a mix, what I think is going to work for, um, a weed control in that, in that field. Um, but I'm not sure I, I wanted to ask some um, if I should put a fur, uh, put like a, a UAN 32 in with that as well, or if I should not do that. Um, okay. So what crop were you going to raise there? On field number three, yep. um, has alfalfa. It's a four year old stand of alfalfa. Okay. So you're leaving it to alfalfa. Okay. I got it. Yep. And all right. So a lot of times with alfalfa, we're not adding additional nitrogen, but the one thing that is unbelievably important for alfalfa is getting the pH close to seven. In your case, it's a 5.8. So yeah. right off the bat, you're probably losing 80% of your potential, might even be a hair more than that, but it's a crazy amount of your potential because the pH is too low. So okay. if it's a field that you want to be raising alfalfa in from time to time, so you know, you said it's four years, but if you go away from it, but you say, well, hey, at some point again, I'm going to put alfalfa out there, then I'm trying to get that pH as close to 7 as I can. Even a 6.2 or 6.4 is not nearly as good as a 6.8 or 7. So that's the okay. number one thing that will absolutely help increase your yield with that alfalfa. The next thing would be potassium, because every time you're pulling, you're, you're taking a cutting off there, you have a bunch of potassium leaving the field, and it's not getting replaced unless you put more fertilizer out there. So like on that one, we're down to 2.1% base saturation K, which is pretty low, and your phosphorus is also quite low. So what I generally will tell alfalfa, alfalfa producers is, before you put in the next stand, whenever that would happen to be... I would really encourage you to consider putting out three or four years worth of P and K and zinc, the nutrients that are pretty immobile in soil, especially like in your case where it's very heavy soil. Put that all out early, try to get it down into the ground, and now you're set to go for the life of that stand. Because the way it is, you're going to say, well, okay, I'm short on phosphorus, I'll go throw some out there. Well, how are you going to do that? You're probably going to broadcast it, and that phosphorus won't be available for your alfalfa at all. Because alfalfa 
um, roots obviously are below ground and the phosphorus is laying on the soil surface and phosphorus doesn't leach, barely moves in soil. It'll take a decade or more to get an inch deep. So it, it's, it's a real challenge. And that's why I just say, before we look at long-term crops like alfalfa, we have to look at these nutrients that are immobile in soil. And again, I'd mentioned phosphorus, potassium, zinc, and I throw in more in there, copper. And on all four of those, you're low. Yeah, um, we're going to, that on field number three, that um, alfalfa stand's coming out this year, and, and we're okay. going to put a new stand in in field number two in the springtime. Got it. So that's that was the plan. Um, I just left that that alfalfa stand in there this year sure. um, just to learn some. It's pretty thin, but I wanted to learn some because I'm new, and I thought I could try something and yep. try a couple different things and, and learn from that. Yeah, so for example, this field two, 5.6 pH. Now, here again, I, I would run more than just one sample for the whole field. I'd run a few samples at least every five acres or something, run a different sample. But okay. but absolutely get some lime out there. Now, typically when we talk to people from the West Coast, they say, well, I don't have a close lime source and lime's kind of expensive. Trust me, if you don't put lime out there, your alfalfa will not be nearly as good as it should be. And if you don't believe that, just leave one strip untreated with the lime and you will see the difference in tonnage right to that line. Okay. So I noticed that everything on that field too is all um, like in the low to medium, yep. um, except for the, the mayonnaise and the iron. Yep. Um, so that was something that we were going to try to address um, and put something on with a uh, in the spring or right before right before we plant it and till sure. it in. Yep. And and then um, and then cold pack it and then seed everything. So yep. that was kind of where I'm at. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, let me let me mention one other thing. As long as we're talking about nutrients, so your boron levels are really low, and when you read up on alfalfa, boron is very important for alfalfa production. But the nice thing with boron and sulfur. Um, and nitrogen, for example, are they are all leachable. So they will move down in your soil profile. So you can add a little bit of boron each year. The biggest concern I have with boron is there have been a lot of alfalfa producers in the past that have thrown dry boron in together with their P and K and, you know, these other nutrients. And a lot of times the bulk density is not the same. So literally by the time they get to the field with their fertilizer spreader, the, all the boron has dropped to the bottom of the spreader or it's risen to the top. And then where I'm going with this okay. is all your boron ends up in one acre of the field that that almost kills that acre and everything else is deficient. So when we apply boron, for example, we'll do it either separately or it's at least in a separate compartment in a dry spreader or we're using liquid. So just something for you to think about. You said since you're new, I, I just want yeah, want to no, tell you about all the all the issues we've had in the past and, and many of the mistakes we've made and others have made. So hopefully that doesn't happen to you. Um, hey, Josh, well, I appreciate it. yeah, uh, I, I apologize. We're down to the end of the show. If you've got more no, questions for us, you can call in uh, anytime, send us more emails, whatever. We really want to wish you the best of luck out there. Hopefully it all turns out great. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate your time. You bet. Yeah, thanks for calling in. Yeah, it's fun to talk to, to farmers as they're getting going on this whole process. Lots to learn, no doubt about it. And it does look a little overwhelming when you see just tons of tons of data there and tons of numbers on these soil tests. But just stepping them through one one step at a time, they aren't, they aren't too bad. And you get used to it as you get going. Thanks for listening to our show today. 
Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.